If you had been alive in Shushan at the time when the Megillah took place, if you had been one of those Yidin who experienced all the upheavals and all the incidents that the Megillah spoke about, who do you think you would have looked at as being the most unpopular person in Shushan? Who would you have considered the problem? The one who caused all the trouble? And the answer is Mordechai. And yes, the share is being given when no one's drunk. And therefore no one's mixing up Baruch, Mordechai and Arahamun. But that's what the Gemara tells us. The Jewish people saw Mordechai as the source of their troubles. The Jewish people saw Mordechai as the one who caused anti-Semitism to flourish. Who caused the king to turn against them. Who caused Haman to put out the decree. When Achashverosh made his party of 180 days and was was meant to unite all the various people from all different religions and nationalities, countries under his reign, Mordechai was the one we tried to prevent the Jewish people attending. He wasn't listened to. But Barakai Stan says, we're not going to intermingle. We don't att- we're not going to attend the king's party. And later on, when Haman was elevated to the rank of prime minister, and included in that was a decree that everyone had to bow down to him, it was Malachi who refused to bow down. And as the Megillah says, as a result of that, Haman decided to turn against the people of Mordechai and he convinced Achashverosh to pass the law to destroy all the Jews. So yes, Mordechai was considered to be the source of the problem. So much so, that the Gemara says that the Jews at the time had complaints on David HaMelech. Why? Because so many years earlier, when David was running from his son of Shalom, Shimi ben Gera came out to curse him. And David decided to spare Shimi's life. Shimi was a great-great-grandfather of Mordechai. And Israel said if only David would have killed Shimi back then, there would be no Mordechai today. So, it's an amazing point. Let's look at the second amazing point. The Jews, when they heard of Haman's decree, they weren't just sad. They weren't just worried. They were convinced it was going to happen. The words of the Megillah, any place where the verdict of the king reached, there was Avel There was great mourning among the Jews. They were mourning their own destruction. They saw it as final. They knew the law in Persia that the king's decree is irrevocable. And therefore it wasn't just it causes them to wake up. It causes them to go into mourning. They see Haman's decree as being 
carried out, they see the destruction of Klai Yisrael as being inevitable. And yet there's one person who doesn't see it like that. Even though Mordechai is one of the prime players in the Megiddah, it's interesting. There's only one time in the Megiddah that Mordechai talks. The Megiddah tells us a lot about what Mordechai did or said. But to quote Mordechai only once in the whole Megiddah. What are the words of Mordechai we hear in the Megiddah? When Queen Esther doesn't want to go to the king. So Mordechai says, and here we quote Mordechai's words. Says Mordechai to Esther. Don't fool yourself that you're going to hide in the king's palace from the rest of the Jews. If you're going to remain silent at this time, there will be a different source of salvation for Klai Yisrael. And that's Mordechai's line to us. Mordechai never entertained the possibility that the Jewish people would be destroyed. He saw Esther as an agent to bring the redemption and if it's not going to be you Esther, it's going to be someone else. But Mordechai says emphatically, there's definitely going to be a Hatzalah for Yehudim. There's definitely going to be a redemption for the Jewish people. Mordechai doesn't buy the common commonly felt theme of Evel Godel HaYehudim. Yes, he wears sackcloth and ashes, it says, and he cries out, and that was to attract Esther's attention. But did Mordechai believe that Homon's Gezer was a possibility? No, he didn't. So let's understand. When did this change? And that's also another question. If Mordechai did not want to bow down to Haman, so he should stay at home. He should remain at home and he won't confront Haman. Mordechai made a point of goading Haman. He waited at the king's gate, which was the entrance to the palace compound, where Haman passed regularly in order to show that he wasn't going to bow down to him. Why antagonize him? Why not just avoid him? And the answer is like this. Mordechai understood, the Pasuk says, Mordechai yada is Hashem na'asa. Mordechai understood in Shemaim what was happening. And he understood the great principle that it's impossible that there would be a gezeira against the Jewish people unless the Jewish people had done something to deserve it. If the Jewish people were not guilty, then a gezeira would never happen. And if there was a gezeira, then it means that the Jewish people were worthy of being punished. Whether it was because they were over of a by bowing down to the pestle of Nebuchadnezzar, whether it was because they were over Chilul Hashem in participating in the Suda of Achashverosh, 
but there was a claim against the Jewish people. And that's why Haman's Chazer could take effect. Because if a person has no tainet on him in Shemaim, if a person has no accusations against him in heaven, then there wouldn't be the possibility of such an edict being passed here in the world. And the Jewish people were guilty. Which is why when Haman when Haman does enact the Xerah against the Jewish people, he passes the decree, it gets signed and it gets sent out. It takes effect. And yes, Mordechai attempted to bring the Jewish people to Tshuva. But Tshuva and Chilol Hashem is not a simple Tshuva to achieve. Mordechai knew something else also. Mordechai knew that he, Mordechai, did not deserve to be punished. He was the lone objector to the sort of Achashverosh. He was the Mordechai HaYehudi who represented being a Jew. And if that's the case, he didn't think Haman's power extended to him. And therefore, Mordechai understood that it could be if the fight is going to be between between Haman and the Jewish people as a whole, it could be that Haman is more powerful. But if the fight is going to be between Haman and Mordechai one-on-one, then it was clear to him that Haman would have no power over him. And therefore, what Mordechai wanted, by specifically, so to speak, goading Haman, by refusing to respect him, by refusing to bow to him, was that Haman should try and attack Mordechai personally, not as part of the Jewish people. And that's exactly what happened. After the party with Queen Esther, when Haman sees Mordechai at the palace gates, Zeresh gives him bad advice. She says, make a gallows for Mordechai. Tell the king to hang Mordechai. This was, so to speak, one-on-one. This was Haman trying to attack Mordechai personally. Not the Jewish people. And this is what leads to Haman's downfall. When he comes to the palace to tell the king about hanging Mordechai, that's when he gets roped into the job of leading Mordechai on the horse. The gallows that he built for Mordechai become the gallows for himself. And what's even more than that, what's even more than that, there's something amazing. After the entire scheme that Esther put into place to come to the king, to bring him to a party, to a second party, and the king tells Esther, both at the first party and at the second one, he says, Mashaillah, Esther, Amalka. Whatever you ask for, I'll do it for you. What, what more could Esther want? The king promised her he would give her whatever she wanted. So Esther asks. Esther asks, give me my life. Because this evil Haman wants to kill us. And the king says, okay, I'll take care of Haman. 
And the king says, okay, I'll resign the decree. No, he doesn't. The king doesn't respond at all. The king gets up and goes outside. And if we think about it in the drama of the moment, what happened? You promised Esther you would do whatever she wanted. Where is the response? Where did you do what she wanted? The king doesn't. It's only when Charvoyna, the minister, says to the king, there's the gallows that Homan made for Mordechai, then the king acts. The king says, hang him on those gallows. If it wasn't clear enough, to show clearly that Homan's downfall came because of Mordechai. That's all. And Zeresh, Homan's wife, realizes her mistake. And she says to him after the debacle, when he has to lead Mordechai on the horse, he says, If Mordechai is a Jew that you've begun to fall in front of him, you won't have success against him. Against the Jewish people possibly, yes. Against Mordechai, not. And that was the Hatzala. That was the redemption from the evil scheme of Haman. The Gemara Megillah says in the Pasuk, the Pasuk in the Torah which says, Va'af gamzois, b'yaisam ba'aret sevayim. This too, when they're in the lands of their enemies, Hashem says, lo ma'astim, v'lo ga'altim l'chalaisam. L'hafer brisa yitam. I haven't despised them, I haven't rejected them. To annul my covenant with them. And the Gemara says, lo ma'astim, b'yay paras, I didn't reject them in the time of price because I gave them Mordechai and Esther. I didn't despise them in the time of the Greeks when I gave them Matisio Banov. Lafay Bristi Yitam to now my covenant with them in the time of the Romans. Shemaitan and Beis Rebbe. The school of the Tanoim, the house of the Nasius. And what's the Gemara trying to say? What the Gemara is saying is that it could be the Jewish people as a whole deserve to be rejected. It could be the Jewish people as a whole deserve to be despised. But in the schus of the individual or of the individuals who didn't deserve that, that's where the whole nation was saved from a threat. When it came to Nebuchadnezzar, there were three men who stood up to him out of the whole Jewish people. Hananiah, Vishal, and who refused to bow. And that broke the shackles of bondage to Nebuchadnezzar. When it came to Paras, there was one man who was able to defeat Haman. But he did. And that was Mordechai. When it came to the Yabanim, it was the small, weak group of Kainim who were able to stand up to the Greek Empire and be victorious. And if that's the pattern, we see this for the future as well. What's going to destroy the Koyach of Edom? What's going to liberate us from the goddess we're in now? It could also be a select group of individuals. Because if the Gzaira doesn't apply to them, if they don't deserve the, the punishment, 
then they carry within them the possibility of annulling it. We say on Purim, what the Nays teaches us is Lohidia. It comes to tell us, those who wait for Hashem will never be shamed. Who was that in the story of Aguinas Esther? I would fit that definition. This was Mordechai. The Mordechai who said, He's not sitting shiva on himself. There's no evil godal. He knows clearly that there will be a redemption. After the Megillah, Klai Yisrael saw Baruch Mordechai. After the Megillah, Klai Yisrael realized that Mordechai really was their biggest savior and not their biggest enemy. But in that case, in that case it took the hindsight to understand that. The lesson of prayer. That those who wait for Hashem's redemption won't be shamed. If they don't deserve to be punished, then the redemption will come. In their source. In their source. Homer was strong enough spiritually to annihilate an entire Jewish people. Homer was not strong enough to kill one Mordechai. And that became the source of Homer's undoing. It happened then. As we see from the Gemara, it's a pattern which can repeat itself in every single generation.